This is Frank Goss with Vintage Broadcasting. Thank you for joining us as we consider the history and the situation of public education in the United States of America today. Our series is entitled, John Dewey's Dumbing Down of the American Mind. I have entitled this essay, Controlling the Narrative, Let's Raise Hell. And no, I'm not advocating a party-hardy mentality or chaos. I'm truly a reserved conservative. And I'll explain that. I do not wear a bow tie or Cole Haan loafers. And some say I'm just a rough around the edge redneck, which may be true. I do not follow convention. I have little to no trust or confidence in the government. And know that given the opportunity, there go I is a true axiomatic phrase. I try not to judge others by their looks. But some of this green and purple hair and neck tattoos offer me a real challenge. And perhaps they're good people, but with poor discernment. I don't let my grandkids play with their kids, though, and this is not a condescending judgment. I just call it discernment. In the early 60s, my father took me shopping with him downtown. We were in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and as we walked through the store, some wildly dressed people walked in, and I was amazed. It was midsummer, and I was thinking I had missed Halloween. I looked at my father with questioning eyes. He said, do you know what you're missing? I said, no. Do you know what you're looking at? I said, no, as I shook my head. He said, son, those are hippies. Well, I laugh now, but at that time, it was as if a door opened that I truly did not understand. I didn't know what was behind it. As the turbulent 60s unfolded, I had a preface in my mind now, these people are hippies. And then I had to discover what all that meant. I read quite a bit now, and I keep up with current events, and yes, I am troubled with and by what I'm experiencing. It's disturbing to see how low we have sunk as a nation in the name of freedom, liberty, and justice. This is what I'm referring to when I entitled this essay, Let's Raise Hell. The ideas of the mid-20th century were spawned in the minds of wicked and perverted people, and they were embraced by men in high places. And this is the revolution that has caught us in our day. What we're experiencing is the fruit of those days. They're the seeds that were planted back in the late 50s, throughout the 60s, and early 70s. Now, as I read politics, and I read about education and government and various ideologies, I'm forced back into a study of the 60s. Who was there? What were the radical ideologies? What was being presented? What was happening? If you followed my podcast, you've been able to see exactly where I've gone as I've attempted to gain a better understanding regarding American education. Alex Newman has been a tremendous source, as has Curtis Bowers, Trevor Loudon, and various others. There's not a lack of information available. If you want to know the truth, it is out there. You have to dig a bit. You have to work, mainly because evil and wicked men and women have sheltered themselves by historical revisions and obfuscated many of the facts. By raising hell, I'm referring to an absolute rejection of God, our national foundational ideas, and any concept of right or wrong. Now, we'll continue in considering the corrupt nature of education. I believe we need to be aware of how the wolf acts as he stalks the sheep. Our children need our protection more now than ever before in the history of America. Martin Luther, the great reformer, wrote a line that states, And though this world with devil's field should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. And he lived in some very, very difficult times and under tremendous pressure. Now, if we take a Socratic approach to discovery... We'll aggravate a lot of people, but we will find answers that have been obfuscated through various men in an international and intentional effort to gain control of the dialogue. Whoever controls the narrative controls the nation. The Socratic method is simply to ask questions. Me, I like to ask why and how. 
First, we have to define what subject we are seeking to consider before we start. I have, for the past two years, been asking questions about how we have come to where we are in our national thinking. What are the causes? You follow me in these things, and it won't take too long for you to make basic conclusions regarding me and my thoughts and my determinations. I'm a Christian, and I'm a conservative. And no, these are not synonymous terms. And even in our day, you're almost forced to define what you mean by Christian and what you mean by conservative. Black and white clarity has been blurred into a dove-gray mutation, and this has been done intentionally. I believe the Bible is the verbal, plenary-inspired Word of God. It contains no mistakes in the original languages and provides the individual with the only source of true, righteous guidance for salvation, hope, and peace with God. I am a Burkean conservative, and I do not stand with many within the Republican Party of our day. My finger is not in the wind, and I do not seek for consensus. My conservative views are filtered through the pages of Scripture. I do like a few conservative thinkers. I like Milton Friedman's concepts on economics. I'm not a Keynesian idealist, but to be quite honest, I don't understand all the intricacies of economics. I know this. Don't spend more than you have. Be careful to whom you lend money to. Invest wisely. And men are inherently evil and not fundamentally good. I like what Ronald Reagan told the Russians regarding disarmament. Surely, we trust you, but you have to verify what you're saying. Why did Reagan say that? Because he knew. All men are liars. This being said, you should have a good understanding of how I will be and how I have been looking at things. And so now we can move along. You're seeing my perspective. Let's raise hell refers to a a total destruction of any and all biblical standards in every institution within our nation, even within the Protestant churches. And this is tied to whoever is controlling the narrative, who is directing the conversation. It's hard to say when this started or where, but we have whitewashed history in a desire to present every institution and every leader in the best possible light, regardless of what they were saying. George Washington tells his father he could not tell a lie, and yes, it was him that cut down the cherry tree. Well, that's a lie. It makes for good lore, but it can't be proven that he ever said that. That he was a man of impeccable character is beyond question. History records these things, and quite often those around him remark on his wisdom, his eloquence, his patience, and his outstanding character. Now, if you walk through the 56 signatories of the Declaration of Independence, you'll discover that all but one of these men were Protestant, with one being Catholic. All were religious men and held fixed principles for living. Note that I did not say that all were Christian men of high character. They had religious inclinations that were deeply ingrained, though. Perhaps all identified as Christians without apology, ambiguity, or shame. Four of these men were ministers, and a number of them were sons of clergymen. Over half of them had studied divinity at various universities. Now, I have not studied every man that signed this document, but this gives us a solid foundation to come away with some fair-minded conclusions. With just a cursory understanding of religion and politics, we can conclude that the spiritual character of this nation was Christian and based on biblical principles. History reveals that over 90% of the population at that time was Protestant and Calvinistic in their ideology. Were we a Christian nation at our founding? Personally, I've wrestled with this question and would conclude that no, we were not established as a Christian nation. We were founded on Judeo-Christian principles. But no, we were not a distinctly Christian nation. No, I do believe our founding fathers honored God and that many of these men were devoted in Christian character. 
A nation is established by rules and constitutions which govern the masses, not a select group. I believe these men were fully aware of the plurality of the peoples living in America and that would be living in America, and not all were Christian. They were not working to establish a church or a denomination. They were seeking to establish a nation where the individual could be free intellectually and spiritually. There had to be a sense of conformity and unity on the fundamentals, but what were those fundamentals to be? Not everybody was a Baptist or a Calvinist. Now, while the Constitution is a brilliantly thought-out document, if you can read it comparative with the Scripture, you will quickly see that the Constitution is not Scripture. Study those who contributed to the ideas behind the Constitution. One gentleman, Francois-Marie Alouette, who is also known as Voltaire, was an atheist, a subject of some debate, but it's safe to say that he definitely was not a Christian. Jean-Jacques Rousseau was a tremendous mind that greatly influenced the Enlightenment across Europe. His ideas on education are, to me, disconcerting. Though he was raised a Calvinist, he had his own ideas about religion. He definitely contradicted biblical teaching on many levels and had a great deal of influence with Robespierre and the French Revolution, modern educational theory, pedagogical instructional methods, and modern politics. Was he a Christian? Most definitely not. Thomas Paine, openly a skeptic. Montesquieu's ideas on the separation of political powers was greatly referenced by our founding fathers. He was referenced more often than John Locke when it came to our Constitution. He did have a practical and moral view about Christianity, which is well appreciated. John Locke is referred to as the father of classical liberalism and was one of the most influential thinkers of the Enlightenment, the Age of Reason. He wrote regarding the social contract and served as an inspiration to both Voltaire and Rousseau. His contributions to classical republicanism and classical liberal theory are reflected in our Declaration of Independence. Locke believed that men who aspired to hold office be men who fear God. This excludes atheists, meaning Ronald Reagan Jr. would not be a credible leader, as he boasts of his being a proud atheist. John Locke was a theocrat. He held no toleration for any and all who denied the very being of God. Why? Because the promises, covenants, and oaths which are outlined in Scripture and their bonds of human society cannot have a hold upon an atheist. You take away God even in thought, and all these things dissolve. Atheism will destroy a people, and it will wreck a nation. Locke was definite in his promotion of Christianity and was not antithetical to religious belief. All this is being said briefly to say this. The national principles and ideas that formed our nation were deeply influenced by Christian ideals. The Bible was the most referenced book among the founders. However, the ideas regarding government and power were influenced by a variety of philosophers and intellectuals. The concepts were Christian, and the principles were deeply grounded in Scripture, and the desire of many of these men was to bring glory to God and to serve as a light to the nations. And we've been blessed abundantly above any other nation in the history of the world. God honors those who honor Him. That's a simple fact. We cannot say that to be an American is to be a Christian, though. Did the founders rely solely on the Bible and Protestant Christian principles in setting up the Constitution? No, they did not. Did Christianity have an extremely deep impact and influence on the establishment of the United States? To deny this would be foolish, and it would be denial of the facts. However, today we have a group that refuses to be confused by facts. The President of the United States, himself a radical liberal, stated as he campaigned that he refused to be confused by facts. 
They're called liberal Democrats today. They're occupying the seats of power in our nation's capital. But they do not serve alone. They are accompanied by Republicans as well. We cannot heap all the credit for our demise and our chaotic atmosphere on these people. There are those who profess to be conservative. As a nation, we have never experienced such an intentional moral declination as we have seen since 2008. We've had issues, I agree. And the moral decline has been occurring for many, many, many years. However, in the last 15 years, we have seen our nation in a total moral freefall. So much so that our intellectuals cannot tell you what a woman is. They try to seriously tell us that men can have babies. That we as a nation are built on systemically racist principles. And they are teaching our children these things. Kindergarten children. How are we raising hell? We're bringing hell to the surface and teaching the ways of hell to a captive audience, our children. If we're not standing in their way, then we're allowing these things to be. And we're openly and deliberately rejecting God as a people and as a nation. The Bible tells us, happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. Today, with gasoline at $5 a gallon and diesel at 6 Today, with the man that we have in public office being a disgrace to the nation, the morality of our nation is incredibly fallen. And with people who can't tell me what a woman is, I think it's safe to say that, yes, indeed, we are raising hell. And the state of our nation declares that to be true. Our series is entitled, John Dewey's Dumbing Down of the American Mind. This production has been written, researched, produced, and edited by Vintage Broadcasting. We're working to provide you, our listener, with factual information that will provide a historical understanding of events that have brought us to where we find ourselves today. We hope this series is beneficial and helps you in your discernment, awareness, and appreciation of specific details, and that it serves to stimulate your thinking regarding the critical days which we are confronting. We would like to recommend an additional series entitled Global Marxism from the Top Down that considers the political history that has served to give structure and meaning to the days in which we live. These series can be found on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever popular broadcasts are provided. We thank you for your time and consideration and would ask that you invite a friend to listen to our series. You are well appreciated.